Good evening. It is good to see you this evening. If you're a guest, we welcome you. It is good to be together to worship God. If you would be opening your Bibles to Colossians, the first chapter. We won't have slides, but much of the reading that we'll do tonight will be from there. So I hope you'll take your Bible or reach in the pew there. It'll be about 1,045 will be the page number in the pew. 1,045, we'll be looking at Colossians, the first chapter. John Michael did a tremendous job this morning. Uh, great presentation, great lesson, great delivery. We appreciate him and his work and involvement so much. And uh, we appreciate the challenge that he gave us from God's word today. Uh, to really think about the opportunity that we have to contribute to the Lord's work with where we are in this congregation right now. And uh, we're thankful for our deacons and the work that they have done. At least uh, half of the ministries are set up in the foyer. I want to encourage you afterwards to still go by and visit and uh, be sure and ask them questions. Ask them how their ministry is going. Ask them what's new in their ministry. This is your opportunity to learn about what is happening in the life of the congregation that you and I are a part of. Next Sunday when you come in, it'll be another set of ministries set up. So uh, be sure that you also browse around next Sunday and ask questions. Uh, we want to be a family that is in touch with each other. We want to be in communication with each other. And uh, so obviously at all times, we're constantly trying to provide opportunities for that. And that's what this Sunday and next Sunday is all about, is giving you and the deacons opportunities to really uh, connect with each other and to fulfill whatever place it is that God has given you to serve. Uh, we want to do what we can do uh, to help make that available to you. And so we're thankful uh, for the deacons and what they are doing this week to prepare for that. Also, we're thankful to have the youth back from Evangelism University. We're thankful that they had a a great trip and for the most part a pretty safe trip and we're thankful that they are home with us. We are also thankful that the outreach reorganization had a great and delicious meal today and uh, they also continue of course to do the great ministry that that outreach ministry does and so each of you that participate in that we're thankful for what you do to encourage others in the name of this congregation all throughout the year if you want to commit to six months of once a month getting together with other Christians and having a, a meal together and then also sending out notes or visits whichever you prefer to do to encourage other people that's what this ministry is all about and it's not too late to learn about that and get involved in that for the next six months uh, so see one of us uh, ministers and we can connect you or if you know Don and Stephen, the deacons that are over that, Don Collins, Stephen Moles, get with them. They would love to get you connected in that work. What would be one of the most important things that you could do right now to help the life of this congregation? We think about the deacons that are leading ministries. What is it that you could do to help them? What would be something that is vital? What is it that you could do for yourself that would help you? What is it that you could do for those that you love? Would you be disappointed if I said that the answer is prayer? I hope that you don't think that that's a disappointing answer. I hope that you see that that is a biblical answer with deep meaning and great impact on the lives of others. I'm looking forward to this time that we can really dissect parts of, of the first part of Colossians, the first chapter. And I want you to see that Paul wrote to some people that he loved dearly and he had some things that he wanted to say to them. And one of the things that he wanted to say to them was the prayer that he was going to offer. But by way of introduction to get a, a better uh, kind of a bird's eye view for just a moment of the first part of Colossians, the first chapter, I'd like for you to notice some things with me. Let's begin reading verse nine, Colossians one and nine. Paul says, for this reason, we also 
since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Pause there for just a moment. What did he mean by it? He says, since the day we heard it, what is it that he had heard? Keep in mind, he didn't establish the congregation in Colossae. And as far as we know, he never even visited the congregation in Colossae. So what is it that he heard that from the time he heard it, he did not cease to pray about it? Let's drop back now to verse three and we will see what he heard. Verse three, we gave thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard, this is what he had heard of, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Notice the, the three things here, faith, love, and hope. Faith in Christ Jesus that they had had and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Now, where did he and where did they establish this kind of life? Where did that come from? Notice the rest of it. Of which you heard before, and again, three ways he refers to the Holy Word of God. You heard it before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Now friends, we just got a mouthful right there in just, just a few phrases. Let's go back in our minds again to verse nine. He said, ever since I've heard of it, I have not ceased to thank God for it. What, what is it you heard about? He says, I heard what you did when you received, what did you receive? The word. You remember that when Jesus came to this earth, incarnation, God became flesh. But you know what else became flesh? The word of God became flesh. Remember John 1 and 1, the word became flesh. Okay, now let's go back to the people of Colossae. Your life is different. Your life has changed. As a matter of fact, if you go back over the past couple of weeks, you remember in Colossians, the first chapter, verse 13 and 14, keep in mind all throughout this series in Colossians, this is about kingdom living. They were in the darkness of this world, but they have been delivered. And that's the word for a strong word for to move out. Remember, it's like they're prisoners of war. They've been moved out. How could they be moved out? They have been conveyed out of this darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love. And it is only by the next verse we learn that through Jesus that we can be redeemed, purchased out of that and have a place in kingdom living. Remember, kingdom means reign. We are living saying, Lord, you reign in me. You have authority in my life. Now we jumped ahead there, but remember this is what Paul is talking about. He says, ever since I've heard it, what did you hear? I heard that while you were over here in this darkness, you heard the word. Christ became flesh. He brought us the word. The word of the truth. God's word is absolute. We live in a time where most of our neighbors do not believe that there are many things that are absolute. We, as people that dwell in the kingdom of God, one of the things that sets us apart in kingdom living is we firmly believe in the absolutes. We believe that there is an absolute truth. Absolutely every time it stands firm. Over here, believe, oh, well, it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. It may be the best way for you to live, but it's not the way that I want to live. Nothing is locked down. Horrible way to live because we're going to make a lot of bad decisions. And you know what we find out? Anything that is absolute comes with authority and with consequences. You know what's absolute? Gravity. 
It's absolute, isn't it? As long as you're going to dwell on this earth, it works every time. And you know what? It has consequences. You know, you could put a fine piece of china on a dining room table. And you know why it stays on that dining room table? Because of gravity. And you know what? You respect that it's gravity. That's why you set it on the table. Now, if you want different consequences, don't respect gravity. Just hold it out here in the air, high above a tile floor. And just ignore the fact, you know, gravity might be good for you, but it's not good for me. I'm just going to set my glass up here, midair. Turn loose of it. See if there's consequences. You see, it doesn't matter if I believe there's gravity or if I do not believe there's gravity. What I think about it doesn't matter. There is an absolute. There's gravity. I turn loose of it and now there's consequences. I suffer the consequences if I did not believe it's absolute or not. Listen, brethren, we live in a world that is jammed packed of absolutes. And people over here are suffering the consequences of it every day and will for an eternity. In kingdom living, we have been taught something important. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Paul's going to get to that in a few minutes. That knowledge that we need to have of absolute living. Okay, so who were these people? They were people that had been brought out of this darkness. How were they brought out? They had listened to the word, the word that was truth. It was absolute and it was the word of the gospel. It's good news. It's good news when you find out you can leave the darkness and that you can come over into kingdom that is the kingdom of Jesus and it's the kingdom of love, of the son and of his love, verse 13 and 14 says. That's good news. It's good news to know that one died for us and he redeemed us. It's good news to know that we have been forgiven. And so Paul says, ever since I've heard about that, I have not ceased to thank God. But notice, in this change... There wasn't just a change in the sense to say, oh, I guess spiritually speaking, things have changed in your life, but I really don't see a change in your day-to-day -day life. And you know what? They would say, whoa, that's not true. Paul knew that wasn't true. Paul knew that they had changed. And that's why he spoke of faith, love, and hope. Paul loves those three. You know that from reading other passages that Paul wrote. And notice the first thing that he talked about was their faith in Jesus Christ. They no longer had some kind of life and faith believing that the darkness of the world's way to live. They believed that living under the King of Kings, allowing Him to reign in their life, they had faith that was the way to live. Notice the second thing that he said there in verse 3 and 4 is he said that they had love for the saints. Remember, we talked last week about the importance of that word saints. That's a beautiful word. Everybody here, I hope, is a saint. And if not, do not leave here until you become a saint. The word saint means holy. It means sanctified. It is the same exact word that is translated holy in most of the other places in scriptures. In other words, what's the, the message here? You can live over here in the world, but now you are away from Christ, the King. What if you were set apart from the world and you were going to live and serve under the authority of the king. You allow him to reign. He says, you know what I'm thankful about you guys for? He says, I'm thankful that you have faith in Christ, but I'm also thankful that you love the saints. You love people that are over here with Christ. I think I said something close to this last time whenever we were talking about saints. I just want to mention it again. If your closest friends are not saints, you need to stop and ask why. Do you have a hard time loving and appreciating people that totally give their life under the reign of Christ? 
Do you feel much more comfortable and at home with people that are living in darkness? Look, we're to love everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we are to even form relationships with, with those out into the world because how are we going to bring them to Christ if we don't? The point is this. Paul said, ever since I've heard about it, I have not ceased to thank God. Paul, what is the it? He said, the life you're living. I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love that you have for saints. But then notice that third thing. He says, I've also heard about the hope that you have for eternal life. They lived a life of faith, a life of love, and they lived looking forward to heaven. We may be on earth right now, but let's make sure that our heart and our eyes are set on heaven. Paul said, I haven't ceased to thank God for you because of that. Now, he said what they heard. I, I would like for you to notice here. Let's go back to Colossians, the uh, fifth verse. We just finished up at the end of the fifth verse where they got this from the word of the truth of the gospel. But who brought them the word, the truth of the gospel? Notice verse six, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love of the spirit. Okay, so this is where Paul brings it full circle to start talking again about why he's giving thanks to them. You see, he's described this movement that they've made in their life of salvation, getting out of the world and into Christ and loving the saints and having hope of heaven. And he says, by the way, I know that you made that movement and Christ took you through that transformation. And the reason he did that and the reason you were able to do that is because the word of the truth of gospel that Epaphras most likely brought to you. And then he says, ever since that day, you've been bearing fruit. Now, later on in this lesson, we want to really think about that. Isn't it wonderful to think that we as Christians have the opportunity to bear fruit? Trees bear fruit. And, and we're to be like Psalm 1. We're to be like a tree planted right next to a river. That tree is going to grow so strong. And that tree is going to bear so much fruit as long as those waters flow by. That imagery there that the psalmist paints is the imagery where we're tied to God and his word. That's the imagery there. And that's what is also being painted here. Individuals that obeyed the word of God. Fruit is being born in their life. But notice Paul says, you heard the word of God from Epaphras. And then he says, and we've heard about you from Epaphras. It was Epaphras that told us about you. And ever since he told us about you, we haven't ceased to give thanks. So now we're back, really. All of that was a quick introduction. You might not think it was quick, but it was. And, and so that brings us to this point. Back to where we started in the beginning, prayer. What was he going to pray for them? And what is it that we could be praying for each of our deacons? If you're involved in a ministry, what if you devoted to whatever ministry you're involved in, if every day you prayed this prayer for the deacon that's over your ministry? And then what if you prayed this very same prayer for every individual in this congregation that's working in your ministry? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, what would the prayer be? 
The first part of the prayer is the prayer itself. And then the rest of it, whether or not Paul was praying it or not, he may have been praying it or he may have just been saying, once this is answered, this is going to be the effect, cause and effect. This is going to be the effect of when this prayer is answered. Notice what the prayer was there in verse nine. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then the rest of this sentence tells what that's going to produce in the lives of those that this comes true. So what was the prayer? I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled. That's to the brim running over. Knowledge. You can't do something you don't know. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of his will. I'd like for you to think about the word knowledge for just a moment. The word knowledge, of course, is the idea of, of coming to know something. But the word knowledge also gives us the opportunity to then be, if you will, controlled by that knowledge. It's hard to do something that you don't know anything about. But once you gain that knowledge, now that knowledge can control you. I want you to think about the word dominate. Now, if, 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 if in sports, one team dominates another team, it's the idea that that one team controlled the other team. You may know of a relationship where it is obvious that one person is not really living their life. They are being completely dominated by someone else. Now, depending on which team you are in or that last example, this can seem like a negative thing. But think about this. What if... We humbly submitted ourselves so that we said, Lord, not my will, but I want your will to be done. In other words, I dominate my life. That is powerful. In other words, God, I want you to control me. But the only way that can happen is God is not going to come down and do it miraculously. It is by knowing his will. Last fall, we spent 13 weeks where a lot of that was urging all of us to believe that this is the holy, inspired, authoritative, inerrant word of God. And wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody in this audience believed with all of their heart that that was true? And we say, oh, fist pump, that's great. We're all doing good. No. That's not even close to saying, okay, we're doing good. It's good if that is true, but here's the next thing. Do you know it? It doesn't do any good if we don't know it. How are we going to go out and live something we don't know? Listen, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be dominated by the will of God, I have to be able to go home this evening and when something gets tense at the house, I have to know what the will of God is to be able to say, God, what is it that I should do in this particular situation? When you go to work or to school tomorrow, and you're not going to school tomorrow, are you? Or Tuesday. And so when you, when you go to school or at work and, and something comes up and, and, and somebody does something or you are asked to respond to something, are you going to be able to do God's will? Think about it. If we are over here living in the power of darkness, we let flesh prevail. We don't have to study anything. We react and respond to things based upon what our fleshly nature is that time. You made me mad and I'm just going to spew out a bunch of things. What if we're kingdom living? 
The king has reigned in everything we think, say, and do. So we can say we are filled with the knowledge of his will so that then all throughout the day, you don't see us as individuals living. You see the will of God being lived out in our life. Isn't that amazing to think that that's what Paul was praying? Ever since I've heard about you, I have been praying that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. And yet you'll do it with all wisdom and with spiritual understanding. Now, I know I'm taking your memory back several months, but sometime last year, we spent a month studying wisdom. And remember when we studied wisdom, we, we said, think about the word wisdom. And then underneath that, think about wisdom is godly wisdom. Heaven's wisdom is going to contain the knowledge of God an understanding of what's happening around us that is correct, and then the ability to discern, which means I'm gonna make decision of how to see this situation and take the knowledge of God and implement it into this decision. And when we do that, that's gonna be wisdom. Isn't it interesting that Paul here, when he prays, he prays for them to be filled with the knowledge of God that they will have all wisdom in spiritual understanding. Very, very similar to what we've studied from the Old Testament throughout other parts of the New Testament last year. You see, if we are filled with the knowledge of God and then we are truly able to see things with a spiritual understanding, what's your worldview? Is it biblical? What's your view of your day? Is the view of your day fleshly or is it spiritual? Do you have spiritual understanding? Do you know how to take the knowledge of God's will and bring it into your life? We can't do that if we're not filled with the knowledge of God. The deacon that you're going to be praying for, he cannot be the deacon he needs to be if he's not filled with the knowledge of the will of God. You as a servant in a ministry cannot be the servant in the ministry that you need to be if you're not filled with the knowledge of the will of God. This is the difference in saying, I allow the king to reign in my life or to say, no, I'm kind of apathetic about it. I like to say the king reigns in my life, but the truth is I don't care enough to learn what his will is. So I don't know if he's reigning or if he's not reigning. All I can do is claim ignorant. What would happen if someone did allow the king to reign in their life and they truly did learn his will and implement it in everything? Now don't cringe when I tell you this because we're not going to go over them all tonight. But in the following verses, there are six effects that it's going to have on an individual's life. And it's beautiful. I want you to see them and then I want you to just look at two or three and then the lesson is yours. Look at these effects, if you will. We're still in Colossians, the first chapter. We just read what he was praying for them in nine, that they'd be filled with the knowledge of his will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And there, this is the effect that you may walk worthy of the Lord. That would be number one. 
fully pleasing him, number two, being fruitful in every good work, number three, and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, that's spiritual maturity. We're going to keep learning. Number Steps five coming up, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. See, we're not strengthened just a little bit. We're strengthened by glorious power. You remember the, the mountain of transfiguration? That was glorious power. God can do powerful and glorious things. God's not going to change our life in a little way. He's going to change our life in a big way if we'll truly allow the king to reign in our life for all patience. Here's endurance and long-suffering with joy. And that's the sixth one. Let's think about real quick this effect. If the will of the Father, the knowledge of the will of God is reigning in our life, we're going to walk worthy. Walk has to do with conduct. Worthy means that it is appropriate. For kingdom living is our daily conduct appropriate. There's a living that's appropriate in the kingdom. And then if I'm going to live like the world, it's not appropriate. If I'm going to try to live like the layout of sins where I have a foot in both places, I want, I want to sometimes look like I'm reigned with, by the king and sometimes I want to play in the world. Laodicea, he says, I'll just spit you right out. I'll vomit you out. What, what does it mean to walk worthy, appropriate? Are we living, kingdom living appropriately? Now, today's Involvement Sunday. And we're, we're encouraging everybody to find whatever gift or ability God has given you, find an opportunity here to do it and get busy and do it. And then someone might say, well, you know what would be great is, is if you could do that, uh, that, that ministry for years and years and years. Well, that, that could be great. How do you do that? Can I share with you the truth of God's word, but also just a little bit of my heart with you for a minute? My heart breaks when I look back over the last 10 to 15 years. And I can say this about Mount Juliet because I've been here. But if I'd have been in another congregation, I know I could say it about another congregation also. We could take over the last 10 to 15 years and we could look at people that at one time they were so strong in a ministry. I'm talking about the type that you'd say, I don't know what this ministry would do if, if they weren't in it. Maybe they were just such a faithful worker in it. Maybe they were a leader in it. Maybe they were a deacon. And now here we are 15 years later and they're not working in that ministry or any other ministry. How does that happen? I want to tell you two things that I've noticed. And you may say, well, that's obvious. But when we think about this walking worthily, I think we need to think about this. Listen, if I'm going to be fruitful in the life of the Lord, in His kingdom work, I need to recognize that I will never be fruitful separate or separated from God. You see, today, when we look back over the last 10 or 15 years and some of those people are not in ministries, you know why? Because they're not in the kingdom anymore. And many of those same people, we see another pattern. Not only did they allow something to come between them and their king, 
Many of them also allowed something to come between them and their family. Well, David, what are you trying to say? I'm not going to beat around the bush. Let's say it this way. If you want to be serious about walking worthy of the calling of which God has given you and you want to fulfill the will of God in your life, realize that some of the greatest kingdom work that you can do is say, I'm going to make sure that every day my life is aligned with the king. I'm not going to let sin come between me and God and then act like it's not a big deal. I'm not going to let sin drive me completely away to where I'm completely separated. And then the same thing with family. You know, I love the fact this morning that John Michael talks about the myths. You know, it's a myth if, that, 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 well, you know, just the age my kids are right now and I'm so busy, I just don't think God is pleased with me because I just don't have time to do all the ministries I'd love to do. Do you realize, moms and dads, when you devote your life to raising your children in the Lord and you're praying with them at night and you're, you're uh, studying God's word with them and you're bringing them to Bible class and you're worshiping right here beside them and you are living a godly, faithful life in front of them, that's one of the most important ministries you could ever be a part of this time in your life. You're walking worthy. You want to get yourself completely off kelter? Ignore your soul and ignore your family and you won't be walking worthy. You won't be walking with the Lord at all. And we see it over and over and over. As much as we could beg and plead, find a ministry to get involved in. We got to get things in proper perspective. First, find out if you want to be in the kingdom. And if you do, be serious about your king. Devote your life to the king. And then if you have a family, recognize the responsibility God gives you to the family because there's nobody that neglects their family, that does very well in God's family. Walk worthy. Is there any way to please him? We'll close with this one, but don't time out on me for a minute. You see that next phrase there where he says, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him? You didn't write that and I didn't write that. You know who wrote that? God wrote that. Through Paul's hand, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, God wrote that. And another myth. Well, I tell you, I know that, I know that I'm an imperfect person and I could never fully please God. No, he said. He says you can fully please God. Please do not confuse the fact of you are an imperfect person. We all are imperfect people. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a close and a right relationship where God looks down and he says, I am fully pleased with you. Think about the passages like in Matthew, the 25th chapter. He didn't look to, to those in those parables, the, the five talent and the two talent men. He didn't say, I'm kind of pleased with you. He said, well done. How good and faithful servant. You think those men, if they would have been real men in that parable, you think they would have been sinners? Absolutely, they would have been sinners. But what would they have heard? By the grace of God, they would have heard, well done. 
When you even think about the prodigal son, look at the 15th chapter. We have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And remember, the lost son is on his way back, and he's even saying, I'm going to tell my father, I am not worthy to be your son. And what did the father say? He didn't say these exact words, but in what he said, he said, I am well pleased with you. The son wanted to say, don't you know what I've been lately? And the father was saying, don't you know where you are right now? You've come back. You are forgiven. My grace has covered you. The one who's dead is now alive. See, we've got movement here, leaving the darkness, coming home to the king. The one who was lost is now saved. Remember 1 Timothy, the third chapter? You remember where he says in verse 13, talking to deacons? For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Our prayer ought to be, Lord, help our deacons. They got a lot on their plate at home and in the work of your kingdom. Help them to be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. Why? Because God, we want them to walk worthy. And God, we want them to be well-pleasing to you. But that's not just a prayer for deacons. That's what he prayed for all of the people of Colossae. You want to do something for your children? Pray that prayer for your children. How many times? You don't have to raise your hand. It might be embarrassing. How many times have we prayed for our kids about some sports or some game or some performance in a band or something? And if we all had to raise our hand as parents, we'd all have to raise our hand and say, we've done it. How many times have you prayed for their soul and for the knowledge of God's will to be filled in their life with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And hopefully every hand in here would pop up and say, that's a daily prayer of mine. I wish I could say that it had been a daily prayer of mine. But I hope that all of us are growing. And wherever we failed in the past, that's the beauty of God. We can still be well-pleasing to Him. Because what God is concerned about is where we are tonight. Whose are you tonight? Are you willing to live under the reign of the king tonight? What's your prayer going to be for your soul tonight? What's your prayer going to be for your family tonight? What's your prayer going to be for that ministry in this congregation that you just love dearly? What's your prayer going to be for the people that's involved in that ministry? So what can we do in Involvement Sunday to make a real impact? All of us get on our knees tonight and pour out a broken heart that is set upon the Lord, that has hope that is beyond this earth because we truly love the saints and we have faith in Christ Jesus. That only comes because we love the Word of the truth of the gospel that takes us to the King of Kings.